0: How you guys doing? Yeah, that was very exciting. <sighs> have you ever had a day where you just everything didn't go right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, no, not me. Man, I wish I was you. Today has been one of those days. And I thought about coming up here and fake telling you that it's been a good day, and it hasn't. It has not been a good day. It's for, as far as all the little things that have just, <clears throat> you know... Like, you know the days I'm talking about, right? Like, when you drop pens, you know, or it sounds ridiculous, or, you know, it, the, the phone slides to the only inaccessible place in your car, right? Or you, you're stopping at the ATM, and right as you go, it, and there's a line behind you, it falls out and somehow walks under your car. You know, the weird things that happen that make no sense. Um, that's what today has been. But I believe this. That I believe, um, hopefully I don't come off as too grumpy, but I think that that means that today's going to be a good day. And I hope you guys do too. I'm texting in the middle, I know, so that way I don't have to say it. So welcome to the Remnant, my name's Todd, I'm the pastor here. See, that just happened, I had to text in the middle of a message. Um, so if it's your first time here, great time to come, because we are about to start a new series, Yeah. Yeah, big excitement. That's good. Uh, yeah, a new a new series. And really what it's kind of boiling around, I'll give you a couple statistics that blew my mind. These are not exact, but they're very, very close. Uh, I have a pretty good memory. So 34% of evangelical Christians as of 2020 um, in Ligonier Ministries' uh, state of theology, they do this every two years, and they poll both Americans, just every American they can get their hands on, and then those who call them overall, and then those who claim to be evangelical Christians. That's us. 34% of evangelical Christians would not agree or would agree with the statement that Jesus was a good teacher but not God. 34%. Now, if I look statistically... Look at this room, right? That means a third of you, over a third of you, don't believe that Jesus Christ was any different than Buddha or uh, Confucius. Uh, you see that? History. Do you like that, Gina? Um, or any other philosopher, that he was a good teacher. Now, if you're in the room and that's you, I'm not here to judge. But here's the thing. That's a big deal because the entire crux of this is based on the fact that Jesus is who he said he was, Right? If he's not, then you. if you don't believe that, then you being here, I'm not saying open to it, you don't, you're not a Christian because you don't believe, but you say you're Christian, you claim it, but you don't accept that, you're kind of delusional, right? Meaning you're, you're playing a weird game, like I don't know why you would even play, because that's not an option he gives. So you'd have to erase like half of what Jesus says, because you don't actually believe that. That's a big deal. 51%, this one's big. 51%, and this, this, I guarantee there's some in the room that's here, just because I know how people are, okay? 51% of evangelical Christians believe that God honors the worship and accept, accepts people of all religions. The God of the Bible. Yeah, isn't that weird? I got some eyeball breezes on that, but not the God one. Yeah, 50, over, over half of those polled who claim to be evangelical Christians, say that uh, the major religions, that God accepts their worship, accepts them. And some of you in this room might even do that. I know there are people that have come to this church that have believed and thought that. That's not true. Right? It's not true. Now, that's in, the fact is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through me. No one is saved except through him. No one gets into paradise except through him. Now, you ready? That's an inconvenient truth. Meaning it's a truth that is uncomfortable to accept and believe. It is. I get it. It's hard for us to understand that because you might meet a really kind Buddhist who is a better Christian as far as the way they live their life than you are. And that's hard for us to understand. But I need, you to, I need you to get this, and we're not going to be talking about that today. But that's, a, that's the whole crux of this, is that that's not true. It's inconvenient truth. It's hard to accept. And some of you try to accept it anyway. You try to say both can be true. I can be a Christian, and all of my Buddhist friends get to be there with me. That's not the case. I can tell the guys are struggling today um, because they were up late last night, and they're already some of you are already snoring. Don't make me say your name. I'll do it. You know who you are. He's smirking at me. Anyway, <laughs> um, listen, man, it's hard to talk when a dude's snoring in the front row. I'm sorry. That's just reality, okay, whoever that would be, multiple people. That's hard for me. So anyway, that's an inconvenient truth. But what I'm interested in over the next few weeks are not those. Those are almost too obvious, Jesus Christ, yes, it's a big deal that a lot of evangelical Christians claim only, you know, 34% would say Jesus is not God. That's a big deal. But here's the facts. The survey could be tainted a little, my mind says, right? The survey could be they claim they're Christians, but we know not everyone that says they're a Christian by title is actually a Christian. That's fair. But, and that's true. So I'm going to leave that to those that have the resources to dig deeper into that, though I think it's a big deal. And I want to talk about inconvenient truths that I think all Christians struggle to believe that are Christians. Little subtle things that jump into our faith. Are There's the southern people we're talking about for me. Our faith. And affects the way we live out our faith. So over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to tell you some inconvenient truths. Some things that each week will probably be at least one thing, one person in here, they're not comfortable with. But today's particularly is one that I think, even though it's an inconvenient truth and it's hard to understand, is the reason why we should be free, why we should live free, why we should, this shouldn't be a weight, why you shouldn't constantly be rebelling because you're not rebelling against you know, in Christianity, people, it makes me think of the bitter Christians. It makes me think of the exhausted Christians. It makes me think of the, um, the checklist Christians. Meaning you, you do what you're supposed to do because you're supposed to do it. Let's start with some basics here. Here's some facts that if you believe in the God of the Bible, you are a evangelical Christian should be pretty obvious. Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I could do a whole one over this. There was a statistic on how many, you know, it was ridiculous, 40-some percent, 50-some percent said, yeah, you know what, we all sinned, but we're all pretty good at the end of the day. That isn't true. Pretty good by who? By our standard? In the eyes of a holy God, this is reality and truth. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so we're all sinners. What's Romans 6.23, the first half, says, for the wages of sin is death. Let me tell you the facts. Cold, hard, stone-cold truth. You are a sinner, and you deserve death. Now nah, we don't like that part. This is where it becomes an inconvenient truth. I could just walk off right here and say, that's it, that's the inconvenient truth. The inconvenient truth is, you no matter how good you think you are, no matter how many good deeds you've done, no matter uh, who you compare yourself to, because again, compared to me, you guys are really good people. I get it, I'm not very good. Compared to me, you're good people. But compared to Jesus, you're not. The wages of sin and death. You are guilty before a holy God. Let that sink in. You are guilty. Guilty of what? Well, sinning. What's sinning? Disobeying God. Why are the wages of death? Because you are a traitor. You are disobedient. You are evil. You are racked with shame and guilt. You try to hide it by putting others down or making yourself feel better. That's what we do. And in doing that, you multiply the evil. And just like a cup filled with water, that's God's wrath getting ready to be poured over you. And it does not matter what you believe. When the end comes, when the judge comes you don't get to compare yourself to Todd anymore. I'm better than him. That's the stone cold truth. Now, we lose a lot of people right here, typically. And again, this could be an inconvenient truth, but I didn't wanna start there because I'm gonna assume we all know that. And whether we admit it or not, we all struggle with that. I believe most people, unless they're narcissists, struggle with viewing themselves positively. You see yourself as all those mistakes, and you're running from it. The guilt, the shame, you know, even the confident people, right? You're only confident to hide the fact that deep down you're not very confident at all. So that is a really sad story. But here we are. Best news in the world, right? John 3, 16 through 18, this is also true. This is Jesus. For God loved the world in this way, he gave his own, one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone, anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. That's an interesting verse. So go back to 16. Let's let's get some facts out of the way. For God loved the world this much that he would give his son. He would die for you. Why? So that everyone who believes in him, even the Buddhist, even your Uncle Joe, even Granny Jamie, I don't know. trying to make names that aren't in the room. No matter who it is, That whoever believes him will not perish but have eternal life. 17, this is the heart of God. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Listen, think about this. Everyone rages against the idea that Jesus, at the end of the day, everyone's cool with God. You can go on TV and talk about God and no one will complain. You get on TV and talk about Jesus, you got issues. People don't like that. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus stands. Jesus is the mirror by which we see our ugliness. And when we see it, we don't like it. But part of it is because we misunderstand what Jesus' point was. His point is this, not to condemn us. We are already condemned. That's what 18 is saying. He says, listen, he's not here to condemn you. You're just going to be condemned. You're going to be in your natural state. You're already driving off of a cliff. You're already headed to a cliff. If you don't, believe, if you don't follow Jesus as he leads you to the way that doesn't go off the cliff... He didn't condemn you. You are already condemned. You chose that. He gives us a way so that we don't have to be. God isn't here to condemn us. God's goal isn't to condemn you or to leave you in that. I'm still not even to the inconvenient truth yet. This is just like a mini-sermon in the sermon, right? This is what it is. But this is true. you know that? Do you know God's purpose, his overall purpose, is not... To just tell you how bad you are? See, how, that's why some of you and some of the people in this world leave because they can't stand the ugly truth of how ugly they are in comparison to Christ. But listen, that, that's not bad news because in that, in admitting our need, he comes and does the rest. There's a transaction that takes place. So I will stand for all the bad people. Obvious reasons. Yeah, those of you who are making you mad, I'll just be that. All right? I am us, I'm mankind. What am I? Todd is evil, sinful, disobedient, ashamed, guilty, insecure, broken, an enemy of God. With God, it is. If you're not with Him, you are against Him. That's who I am. That's who I am in my own nature, the way I was born, and the way that, by the way, I've proven that through my life. You know what's crazy? I've proven that in the last two weeks. Now, here's the good news. Brandon, I already talked to him. My Jesus, give him a hand. All right, Jesus, you're over here, man. Jesus, I always like when I do these kinds of messages. I'm just going to be real. Because honestly, like I told the guys yesterday, I'm going to borrow time anyway. I already know I'm eventually. Like, I get to be here. That's all. I don't mean, like, die. But, like, being a leader of a church, of course I am probably going to die too someday, right? That's what they tell me. But I make people mad all the time, but it's kind of nice because I get to make you mad, and at the end of the day, you're not really mad at me because I didn't make it up. All right? If I was going to make up a religion, I'd do the one that makes you smile at me and give me money. <laughs> So Jesus over here, I'm gonna stay there, Jesus. I want to tell him something. So that's our situation. Hey, who, we believe in him. So what happens when we believe in him? 2 Corinthians 5.21. Oh, well, he wasn't ready. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's all wordy. The gist of it is what happens? This verse tells us pretty much exactly what happens. This guy is Jesus. Jesus is what? Holy, obedient, sinless, perfect, a son of God, right, righteous. He has a relationship with God that is close and secure, and he is everything we are not. That's who he was. He showed us how to live in a world that is filled with temptation and evil. He showed us how to overcome it, right? He was perfect. He is perfect. Now, the cross, the cross is between us. On the cross, an incredible thing happens. You may have heard this before. The cross is where God's love and justice meet. Remember I told you about the wages of sin is death? I am guilty. I am guilty. The wrath is going to be poured on me. That is God's justice. And before you say that's not fair... Because you're a pretty good person. You've heard me say this recently. I'm going to say it again. Let me come in your house, kick your dog, punch your baby, steal your money, shoot your grandma, walk out. You come back in, burn your car. I'm already making you mad. I burn your other car. And then when you come back, all right, I come knock on the door the next day. You call the cops. I go before the judge, and I say, sir, what do you have to say for yourself, Todd? Listen, I did all that. I'm not going to deny it. But I only burned the second car. Because he or she looked at me grumpy. I was only going to do one. Okay. And the second thing is, for 364 days a year, I have been really good. All right, that's fair. Let him go. Not guilty. He's mostly a good person. Is that just? No, you're going to be on the 6 o'clock news, all right, talking about how that unfair that is. That's reality. So how many times you've been good doesn't matter. I'm in trouble. I'm separated from God. I'm an enemy of God. Jesus, on the cross, does something incredible. The cross is where Jesus comes over here, and I get to come over here. Jesus takes my place. He takes my evil, my sin, my guilty plea, my wrath, the wages that I have earned my shame, my embarrassment, my pride, all of those things, the wrath of God, he stands in the place of, and inexplicably, and it makes no sense. He then doesn't just do that because then I might be, I'll just wait here in line, right? He just jumped in front of the line for me. He gave me the benefits of his position, that I am now righteous, holy, holy. Perfect in the sight of God, a child of God, uh, fully restored. There is no shame. There is no guilt. Why would there be? Free. That's what happens. And how does one get this? Then come back over here, right, Jesus. I just have to ask Him for it. I have to be willing to say, "Hey, I'm, I know I'm guilty, and I'm sorry for what You've done, but I believe in You. Can I have what You offer?" And he says yes every time. That's it. Confess with your lips. You'll hear that at the end. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was raised from the dead. Put your faith in what he has done, and you're free. Thanks. Give him a hand. And that's great news. And we recently got a a question. If you know what Real Talk is... Right? Raise your hand if you know what real talk is. All right, good. You guys give me an excuse if you are just too lazy to raise your hand. It's an opportunity to talk about life, God, and the Bible and everything in between. That's my line. Really, it's just our web series that answers questions that people can give in honestly. One of the questions um, that we recently recently got is we get this question a lot about how far is too far. What happens if a Christian does this? Do they still get to go to heaven? What happens if a Christian does that? Do they still get to go to heaven? Over and over and over we get these kinds of questions. Which tells me something. Not everyone, but many people struggle, no matter how good this news is, with accepting it as truth. I'm going to read, we're going to read a big old section. So you're just going to have to pay attention. Um, but I, I and I'll, I'll stop periodically, and then at the end I want to connect this for you. But here's the types of things we get. You know, where's the line? When do I go? When? When have I gone back over here? And Jesus goes back over there. And before you say, oh, I don't believe that," yes, you do. Many people believe that in the way they live because that is. This, this thing that has happened, this transaction is an inconvenient truth that doesn't make sense. Why would someone love me enough to do that for me? And then say, I never have to pay him back. So what, is, what does all this look like? I'm too messed up, right? We hear that all the time. I'm I'm too messed up. I'm too far gone. I remember telling a close family member the gospel, and they said, that all sounds great, and I'm going to do it someday when I get cleaned up. I'm just a little, you know, i got too much to take care of right now. (laughs) And we're like, oh, that's too bad they believe that, but you believe that too. Let me give you an example. I'm too messed up to serve. I'm too messed up to be in community. I'm too messed up to do this. I don't want people to see this because then what? God sees it. He already saw it. Have I gone too far? I've gone too far. And then we just go farther off, right? I mess up. You ever do that? You ever mess up and then you're like, yeah, I've already messed up. Let me just keep going. What does it matter now? i got to keep doing enough good deeds and very minimum bad things, and I can keep this salvation. I can keep it. Yeah, I know God loved me then, right? He loved me enough to be in the house. Kind of like a stray dog or a cat, you just give milk on the porch, right? Sometimes I feel that way. I'm just that like mangy cat that you don't even really pet because you just, he's nasty, but you put a little milk out for him because you're like, I don't want him to die. That's like how I view it, right? That's how we view ourselves sometimes. But is that true? And even within Christianity, there's arguments about this because it gets told to us. Words like disqualified. Words like um, apostate. Ever heard of that? I bet if you're in theology, you've heard it, right? I've walked away. Oh, man, they used to, they've used fallen away from Christ. You've heard that phrase, right? Raise your hand if you've heard that. They fell away from Christ. Yeah. Which tells me that we accept things we need to figure this out can i fall away like i guess in this picture jesus kind of falls off the cross and then so i got to get back up there because it only lasted a little bit he's like hey i'm gonna get down do one more thing i'm gonna get off this cross right or he's raised and we say he's over there going remember what i did for you you piece of crap huh you couldn't at least be happy huh huh you couldn't not have that thought huh well guess what get out And then what we do is we start to, this is where it gets weird. Because we feel that way, in order to feel better and feel like we belong in the house, we get right back to the very beginning of what I told you, which is this cycle in which, okay, well, i got to find somebody worse than me. Because if someone's worse than me, then, like, I can stay, right? Because I mean, you ain't going to kick everybody out of the house. So where's the bad ones? Oh, right? I can't pick one of you. Bob, the infamous Bob. Someday a Bob's going to come here. He's going to have a terrible reputation because I've made up stories about him. Bob, right? Bob is a big jerk. I'm not like Bob. And then I put that weight on him. We project onto other people what we feel like God's projecting on us. So I'm going to read some stuff with you. I want you to think about this. Think about what this is saying Okay, you with me? Do I need to throw a podium? Josh, you think we good? You think these guys can stay awake? One guy already ran off and went to bed. All right, yeah. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, by what? Faith. Faith. What's faith? Believing. Believing. Well, what if I have doubts? When you, I've given this example before. If you're in a plane about to jump out of the parachute and you jump out, do you have doubts that the parachute is going to work? I guarantee you, unless you're a lunatic, right? So you still your, your faith in that parachute, even though you have doubts, is shown by the fact that you take a crazy step out. Faith, listen, our, our life with Christ as a Christian is the same way. You're, you're going to have doubts. <laughs> the apostles did. Jesus did. Now, that's hard to hear. How do I know? Well, what did he do in the garden? Do I really have to do this? I'll do what you want, right? He always shows us, though, in the midst of the doubts, he ends in faith, but not, not my will, yours. Declared by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been declared righteous by faith. That's a pretty straightforward sentence. Hey, you're a Christian in the room, you are righteous. You are righteous. Well, I don't feel righteous. I don't care. Sometimes I don't feel like a human, right? But I am. (laughs) I don't know what I feel like. A monkey. I don't know. (laughs) Righteous. You are righteous. You have a right relationship with God. You are holy. All those things. You now have what? Peace with God. Let's see if we're honest. And I'll do this. Who sometimes feels like God might be against you? Raise your hand. Be honest. Me too. I'm raising mine. Yeah. Those that don't, what a blessing. But sometimes I feel that way. I can feel that because of what I've done, right? I, he's against me now. It makes me scared. You ever sin and want to go hide in a hole? You ever do something and you don't want to pray? You don't want to go to church? You kind of do that thing. I bet you do it. If you're like me, this used to be my thing. So I'd mess up and then I'd go, okay, I'll talk to you in two weeks, God, when I've earned some brownie points back. And you want, I won't hourly show that. Like, I'm still a Christian, right? But in my heart, I'm like, I'm not talking to him. I'm not coming near him because I feel so guilty and I'll just, once I've, like, he has to give me love again, once I've earned it, then I can go back. Well, that's not true. It says right here I have peace with God, I have peace. He's never my enemy. Let's keep going. For while we were still helpless, verse 6, at the appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. <laughs> for rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Pause. So this is this is the crazy thing. It would mean something. Paul says something pretty powerful here. He says, listen, people, while we were helpless at the point in time, how were we helpless? I just told you earlier. Guilty, all those things. And rarely, when we were ungodly, he died for us. He didn't die for us when we were cleaned up, when we were fixed. He died for us in your worst moment. I want you to think of the worst thing you've ever done in your entire life. Okay, something came to your mind, whatever it is. In that exact moment, you might as well accept that that is the moment when God went down and grabbed you and saved you. Not now when you're kind of cleaned up and prettied up. You guys all look good. Not today. He did it in that moment. What's the point of that? The point is, how much must he love you? How much must he love you to grab you in that moment? In the muck, in the dirt. Verse 9, right? Much more than since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. That's creepy. It used to be for me. What's this all this blood talk? Remember the whole... Shooting your dog or kicking your grandma, whatever I said, and all that stuff. All right? well, let's say now, hey, you know what, Todd? I'm going to charge you the misdemeanor, pay a fine, go home. Yeah, while you go home, and I, you know, you see your grandma's face, your dead dog, I burned your house down. You know, that's not fair, right? The punishment has to fit the crime. What is crime? What is the crime of defiance of a holy God? Much more than, yeah, that verse, you can go to 10. For if, while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more will, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Go back to that, please. There's a point here. Remember I told you kind of two parts of the transaction. Paul's saying he didn't just do one part of the transaction. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So if while you were enemies, you were reconciled to God, you had peace with God, at your worst, how much more, having been reconciled, will you be saved by his life? What does that mean? Now that I'm reconciled, his life, the benefits of his perfect life. This is hard for us to understand. You ever wish you could trade credit scores with someone? Maybe that's a good analogy for you. I'll t- I'll, you. Know, one of you got Someone out here has got an 800. I mean I'm close but not there. I'll take your 800, right? I'll take your 800 and you take my 250 or whatever. I don't know how low they can go. That's what happened on a much bigger scale. And he said, "Now, now that you you are already good and holy, why would like how much more assured can you be?" This is too deep for some of you guys, you sleepy. Uh, number Verse 11 says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have now received this reconciliation through him. Go down to 15. Before this, Paul starts talking about the idea that some of, one of the big complaints we get is like, why do I have to be punished for what Adam and Eve did? You're not. You're punished for what you did and what you do today. Right? We inherited from them a propensity to to sin, you like that word? But we still did the action. So, he's saying, yeah, through that one man, death came. Sin entered the world. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ? Those of you who say, that's not fair. It's not fair that one man's sin led to death for all these people. And he said, yeah, but how about this? How much more did it go the other way that one man's obedience brought life to the many? 16. And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment resulting in condemnation. But from trespasses came the gift resulting in justification. I know, this is big. Justification is a legal term. I'm made right with God. The penalty's been paid. 18. So then, as th- through one trespass there's condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there's life giving justification for everyone. I just told you that. I skipped ahead a little, but that's it, right? One man's sin, death to many. One man's obedience, life to many. So it also through the one man's obedience to many will be righteous. For just as through one man's obedience, the men were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. That one sentence is uh, life-changing. Go to 1129. Since God's gracious gifts and calling are irrevocable. What does irrevocable mean? Can't take it back, right? Romans 8 38 and 39. Or I'm persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height, depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is your sins on the list? Your mistakes? I've never understood when I do messages like this, some of you get angry. Genuinely. I can't even, I can't even fathom it. One of my favorite sections in the Bible is so cool that a lot of people skip over this. It's Jesus himself that says this in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. He says, I give them eternal life. He's talking to the Father. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. (laughs) How can I fall away from Jesus if he never lets me go? I can only think of one reason why someone would want to believe that someone can fall away. Genuinely. And and I could be wrong. So that they can feel better about themselves. Which in in return is sad because there's never been a full acceptance of what grace really is. I know a lot of this is wordy. I'm going to make it really simple for you. I have a list for you. The truth about the transaction. Number one. Everyone is messed up. I don't know. That's what I, sometimes I think, I, I, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I just, I wonder how sometimes this stuff isn't. like I know in, in day-to-day life how it's easy to forget things and not care. I mean, I get it. We have bills and we have jobs and we have kids and we have this and that. And I get it. And it's so hard for me to understand sometimes why like, why it stops meaning anything like when we're here. I feel like this is going to be one of those messages online where it's like pastor goes crazy and walks away. But I guess I'm just going to be real. I don't always, I don't see individuals I really don't faces up here. Even I really don't, you know. It doesn't look like there's a lot, we have a ton of chairs, but there's are ninety people or whatever. It's hard to see everyone's face. You can see the grumpy ones sometimes, but you don't really recognize them for who they are. You know, it's just hey, there's another grumpy face. Are they disinterested or the sleepy or the tired? But here's the thing. You know what is always so weird to me? Someone said, now I remember the original thing, in real talk, the question was, why do you think that new believers seem to have a fire and a joy that then like more fire and joy than people who have been saved their whole life. And I don't know the answer. Sometimes I'm like, I guess it's faith. People come even though they don't care. Some of you come because your spouse made you. Some of you come because your mom made you. Some of you come because, like, you like church, but you don't really want to listen because you know everything. So you spend the whole time telling me that you already knew, which is fair. I guess I said I don't get it. Sometimes I feel like this is I have to be careful how I say this. I don't think, I'm just transparent, Todd. I don't think I'm great. And if you know me, I'm probably struggle more with pride in the sense of self-hate. Self-hate is also pride because it's self-focus and it sets me above God because He has said I'm loved and holy and all those things. So when I say this, I understand my own view of myself, but sometimes I'm like, why doesn't this matter to you? Why, why, why are you so wrapped up if you know Jesus? If you're not, then it's going to be a weird one for you. Why, why is it boring to you? But then you go out and you're sad all week, or you're angry. What are we doing What is this church in general? What is it? It's like this elaborate game where, like, you come in and some of you are really good at pretending to be, be glad to be here, and some of you just not. I would be one that's not either because I show everything on my face. But what's the point? And I, and I think sometimes I get to the position, I, this is so a confession, I just struggle with Christians. Maybe it's because deep down I need this stuff too all the time. Like I think I'm not part of the club. Remember I told you this, the mangy cat thing? Maybe because I knew I'm a mangy cat that I know how good this news is. Maybe that's a problem. Maybe some of you never thought you were a mangy cat. But for those in the room that need to hear this, now that I said that and I don't have to care anymore, Everyone is messed up, and this is important for two reasons about the transaction. One is is that coming to the cross for the transaction, I already told you, he knows you're a sinner. And he's, he died for you in your worst moment. But here's the other thing. Those of you that are Christians, because the important and truth here is, I'll save the, the little phrase, but you're never going to be too messed up after the transaction that he's going to take it back. Because it was never based on you being clean anyway. How do I know? I just told you. I don't need to go back. You know. He proved his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He died for the ungodly. How much more will he hold on to you now that you are holy and good and his child? Number two, there is no too far for Jesus what, is that, what I mean by that? I'm trying to simplify these statements. Guys, you can't lose your salvation. You can't. And there are good godly men out there who will tell you that you can. But you know what's funny about them? At the end of the day, we end up in the same place. Because they will use as their proof, what about the guy who left the faith? Well, it's easy. He was never a believer. It doesn't matter to me. We're trying to understand how God can save really bad people. He just told us. There's no too far gone. I could give you story after story. We're going to be doing a series again soon, Walking with Jesus. We go through a whole gospel, it's my favorite one. And in it, you're going to see over and over and over his point, right? First, I got to make you understand you're a mangy cat, that you're a sinner. But once you understand, I'm going to remind you that that's the the lie. You're never a mangy cat. You've just been living like one. And I'm going to bring you in the house, and I'm going to show you how to be. To me, funny if someone hears just that clip. The gospel's about you're a mangy cat. (laughs) There's never too far for Jesus. You can't go too far once you're saved. You can't walk away too. That's the point of the prodigal son. Did the prodigal son ever stop being his son? No. No. I know you've heard it a million times, but you don't let it sink in. There's kind of two types of people in the room. There's the people in the room that struggle with ever believing that God is going to hold on to them. And there's the people in the room that struggle with me telling the bad people that God's going to keep holding on to them. Either way, you need to hear, in Christ, God's never going to let go of you. Number three, he never earned your salvation, so it's not your job to keep it. I know, I know, I, I get it. You're, you're, Todd, you're saying some scary stuff. You're trying to tell people they can just be the same all the time. No, you know what I'm telling them? I'm saying that I believe the Bible that when someone comes to true know Christ, they die and become a new creation, and that God is going to finish the good work he started in them, and that they will change. Yes, there are people that claim to be Christians that continue to live in unrepentant sin, and it's not that they lost it, it's that they never had it. You never earned your salvation. You were never good enough. You never did enough good deeds. You never did enough ministries, gave enough money. You did nothing to earn it. So it's not your job to keep it. It's your job to act as valuable as God views you. There's a weight you can't carry. And I'll hear people, number four. In Christ, God can never love you more or less than he already does. I hear that a lot, right? I know some people in this room, we just talked last night, you don't believe God loves you. You believe, like me, that, you know, it's kind of dependent. He won't fully kick you out, but he won't You all this stuff. No, 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 that's not how it works. He will never love you any more or less than he already does. Why? Because he sees Christ when he looks at you. You can't earn more love can't lose his love. Number five, you're free. In Christ, you are free from the weight. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Why is that? It doesn't feel light, does it? Following Christ feels pretty hard sometimes. It is. Pick up your cross, follow me. Living the way that, that he told us to live is the hard part. That is the hard part, but for us, but the hardest part's already been finished. We are free. It's over. On the cross, what are the last words Christ said? It is finished. It's over. Now take a second and let yourself, just for a moment, think about that. That when he looks at you, he doesn't see all those things you're guilty of, he doesn't hear all those names you call yourself. But he says, What? Beloved, son, Daughter, co heir, chosen, holy, redeemed, sanctified, high priest. All of those things are true. So here's an inconvenient truth for you today you can't lose what you never earned, you can't outsin grace. You can't fall away from Jesus if you've truly put your faith in him because even when you try, he's already said, I won't let you go. Amen. Why is that inconvenient? Because that's uncomfortable. Because you've got to deal with the fact that there's some pretty, gross, not cleaned up, rebellious Christians out there that do some bad stuff. But most of the time, you know why you struggle to believe that? Because you struggle to see any of that in yourself. I can preach grace to you every day and mean it, but when I look in the mirror, it's a lot harder to accept. God gives us mercy. He doesn't punish us for, our, for the sins that we've committed. Well, Todd, he disciplines those he loves. You misunderstand that. It changed my life when I realized sometimes discipline is just redirecting. Why would he punish me again? All right, I'm only going to hit your arm with a nail. I already did the full thing on Christ. No, he doesn't punish anymore but he will discipline, right? And we have a responsibility. And so today, some guy's gonna watch this or one of you are gonna go home and say, he says you can just do whatever you want. You're missing the point. No, not my job to make you holy. Not even really your job to make you holy. You just have a part in it because God said, I'm gonna finish the good work I started in you. Do you want it to be done easier or harder? (laughs) You wanna come with him dragging you or you wanna walk? She's gonna come play some music. Some of you in the room need to, you know, hear this, let yourself rest, stop striving. Stop worrying, stop feeling guilty when you're free. Conviction's different, right? Conviction draws you towards God. Guilt, shame and condemnation push you away from God. Let yourself rest in the transaction. It's already finished. It's complete. He doesn't get off the cross and trade you again. It's over. it's finished. Some of you need to accept the fact that, this is strange though, what what did it mean to accept the transaction? You don't get to keep living the way you want to live in that transaction. You don't get to look at Jesus and say, hey, I'll take that gift, right? But I'm not going to give you anything. I'm not going to give you my life. I'm not going to give you... um, my sin, I'm not gonna turn around and follow you, I'm not gonna live like you you don't get to do that and that's the one everyone's afraid of so they don't want to talk about this stuff because they're so scared that you guys are a bunch of raving maniacs that if I tell you that your, your position is secured you're gonna run off and burn the world down and make hundreds of babies with hundreds of people Like that's what they think I believe that you're gonna keep doing silly things sometimes sinful things and that God hates your sinful acts but he, does, he never hates you Jesus said himself it's finished and some of you in the room need to to, to think to yourself you know have I ever really done this because I feel like sometimes we walk by the cross and we say that's a really good guy and then we keep going And sometimes we even come back, right? And we'll say, I want to hear from the teacher. We're like the thousands that were on the hill when he's teaching and giving bread. But we're like the thousands on the hill when he's hanging on the cross. We're nowhere to be found. When it comes to weight and change, when it comes to, to accepting this, to accepting that, hey, he is the only way. I guess not even related to that, sometimes I look around and I just, I feel like there's three types of Christians or three types of people. There's a people that think they've gone too far. Right? And They're the non saved we'll start there. You think like, you've gone too far, you've done too many bad things. right? I get it. Christians can be mean and I feel like if they are talking, if, if God talks to you the way they do, well, ain't no point, Right? you can't be as fake as that anyway. Then there's the Christians in the room that also need to hear that, that that you believe and you follow and you fail and you stumble and you struggle because the reality is you're not perfect and you feel guilty and, you know, ah, it's scary and you've been told that you can fall away and all these things and, and so you need to be encouraged and reminded that it's finished. And then you got these people that say they're Christians and they tend to look down on the other ones. And I think to myself, those are probably the people the ones that get mad and angry and grumpy, the ones that don't ever want to hear truth, the ones that, all of that, and they're probably the ones that when they get, they kind of stroll in before Jesus, right, and kind of go, what up? Get out of the way, I'm about to head in. He's going to say, I don't know who you are. You've become arrogant. You believe that because your parents were, that you're good. Because you got the nice house, the nice car, the nice family, then that must mean God's cool with you. But you've never really been willing to die to yourself. You've never really been willing to say, I deserve this. Because you have to say that to be able to accept what He did. Otherwise, you don't need a Savior. i supposed to tell you what the gospel is. That's my last thing. It just says the gospel in all caps. It's usually what it says. I really told you it already. I'll say it again. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son so that you, if you believe in him, will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn you but that you might be saved through him. And if you believe in him, you're not condemned. But if you don't, you're already condemned because you've not believed in the name of of the one and only Son of God. To believe in Him says to follow Him. To believe in Him says to turn away from self. To believe in Him says to drop the pride. To believe in Him is to admit I'm flawed because when I admit I'm flawed and guilty, then I can take part in the transaction. God loves you enough today that you don't have to wonder anymore. You don't have to feel afraid. You don't have to feel the pressure and weight of keeping it because you know you can't, right? That you can let go of the, the comparisons. Well, am I doing good? Well, I'm not as good as Barbara, but I'm better than Susan. <laughs> no Susie's in here today. Yeah, All right? Don't let this become ordinary. This is an extraordinary thing you say you believe. So this this time will be your time for the next few minutes. It's called altar. It's called. Uh, it's a time for you to respond to God in whatever way that looks like. Maybe you're the person that is just so afraid and underweight, and you just need to, to let it go and to put you, and to trust Him. Right, God, I, I'm I'm tired of feeling afraid. I believe it doesn't matter what I've done. Maybe you got to go to Him again and say, Hey, I haven't been living like that. To be reminded how much He loves you. Maybe you're in the room and you don't know Him at all. Either you you, you happen to show up today. So you get to hear this and a chance to respond? How do you get that? How do you believe? The Bible says, confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead because, right, you believe in your heart, confess with your lips, you say what you believe. It means you gotta say it. There's people that are willing to pray with you. I didn't know how to do it. There's a third group in here that you're probably the person that can't wait to get out, you're annoyed by me. There's a lot of days and I'm way more Talking to you because it doesn't matter if it's your husband, wife, doesn't matter if your daddy, your mommy, or whoever else has made you feel better. Ask yourself this why are you really mad? Why are you really mad? Respond to him however you want to respond, but whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.